You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Three Mall. Welcome into another Three Mall bonus edition. I am your host, Cole Mambeck, joined as always by former Kansas State wide receiver and partner at Wildcat NIL, Curry Sexton. And we are here to recap Kansas State's heartbreaking loss in Austin against Texas this last weekend as the Wildcats fell in overtime and a, a real heartbreaker 33 to 30 where uh, it felt like K-State might pull off the big upset against a top 10 team in the country and put itself in a position to get to the Big 12 championship. Before we dive in with Curry, we do want to tell all of you that uh, we are getting close to what should be maybe the highest profile, most anticipated Sunflower showdown on the gridiron and Goodness, I don't, I don't know when you have to go back to for this type of matchup. You got KU in the new playoff poll ranked 16th in the country. You got Kansas State ranked 25th in the country. And we want to tell you that the uh, the Kingdom Bar and Grill in Overland Park, Kansas, will be hosting a KUK State watch party uh, for that game. And I think the game's November 18th in Overland Park. So be on the lookout for the kickoff time. That hasn't been announced yet. The TV networks exercise the six-day window. So we will find out either next, this upcoming Saturday night or first thing Sunday morning, the kickoff time for the KU game. But uh, be sure to head on over. Check out the Kingdom Bar and Grill. It's an outstanding place in Overland Park. And they'll be hosting a fun watch party for KU and K-State fans and uh, what should be a really great atmosphere with great drinks and uh, food. So be sure to check that out and we'll, we'll continue to push that over the next few days to remind all of you on the three mod pod curry uh before we dive into uh talking heartbreak uh, i do want to talk a uh, little positives here with the uh, wildcat nil and what's going on there in the latest and women's basketball fashion show i believe that's coming up in december so maybe you want to expand on that and anything else you want to talk about nil that's going on with the latest activities the floor is yours well i appreciate that um see yeah, like you mentioned, we're we're hosting uh, along with a w- with a women's apparel company, Cherry Co. We're hosting a a fashion show um, on December fifteenth at the museum at Prairie Fire in Overland Park. Um, all proceeds will benefit women's basketball NIL. It should be a really fun evening. Uh, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a cocktail social hour with heavy hors d'oeuvres to kick things off, and then there will be a the, the fashion show. Uh, will take place um, next, and and that will, you know that that will include the women's basketball team displaying a lot of the women's apparel that that Cherry Co creates and sells. Um, Cherry Co has been a really good partner for the women's basketball team and some of their NIL, and and then after that we'll have some meet and greet for for everyone in attendance, an opportunity to to you know engage with the women's basketball team. And then we'll have some more, you know, more of a social component, potentially a brief auction um, as well. So it should be a really fun evening, a great opportunity for the case, you know, Kansas City, K-State community to support our women's basketball basketball team, a team that should be, you know, a top 20 team in the country this year um, and, and help support them in their NIL. And so really looking forward to that on December 15th. Uh, more information is available on our website as well as on our social medias. And then, uh, you know, I can tease another event that we've got coming up. I can't share much more as far as detail, but we will be ho- we'll be having a 
um, an exclusive event in uh, Kansas City in early March, um, and that that event will um, will will be to support the K State football team. Um, we'll have a special guest from K State or two, and then we'll have a special guest potentially from the school down the road. Um, and so that should be a really really fun event, a really unique event um, that, to play off of the rivalry. And and especially you know the budding or, or reemerging football rivalry, rivalry. So those two events going to be really great events for the Kansas City and, and surrounding area K State communities. Really really looking forward to those and hope that hope that a good turnout. There will be a good turnout of K State fans to support these student athletes. As you said, might be Jeff Mitty's most talented team at Kansas State in women's basketball. Really good looking squad that they've got with some of the transfers they brought in, in addition to Ioka Lee returning, Gabby Gregory, who had an outstanding year last year as well. So, talented, exciting team. Get out there, support them, and uh, get out and support them in the NIL up here in, uh, in the Kansas City area in December. And uh, for more information, you can go to catsnil.com, find out more there, but also be sure to go to catsnil.com. And if you haven't, Subscribe to the membership tier program, whether it's $10, $25, $50, $99, whatever tier you want to categorize yourself in, whatever tier you're comfortable in, you know, be sure to sign up there. You'll get extra benefits and uh, you'll also be supporting KSA student athletes. So catsnil.com for more information and catsnil.com to sign up for the membership program. Really encourage all of you to uh, to do that and support K-State student athletes. So Curry, uh, before we dive into really what transpired in the game, I guess looking at uh, the Texas game from a high-level overview because you and I texted briefly after the game and talked about you know how it feels as a fan. Like I had emotionally kind of checked out when it was twenty-four to seven, just thinking you know you just didn't have it that day. Texas is extremely talented, just got outplayed, and it wasn't going to hurt as much. And then Kansas State comes back and it's right there, and six yards separates you from beating a top 10 team on the road and being in the command to get to the Big 12 championship once again. I'm curious, I mean, you're a former player and now you're a fan. What What is your mindset in terms of trying to get over a loss like that? Is it harder? Does it differentiate as a player versus a fan? Would you, you know, when you get blown out or you lose a game in close fashion, heartbreaking fashion like that? That's a great question. I would say, honestly, it's a little different. Um, I think on the fan side, it's it's, so easy to feel like your heart's been ripped out um, after a game like that. You know, when when you do kind of check out down seventeen to zero or twenty four to seven, and then they claw all the way back and have multiple opportunities to win. I think that that makes it e- even tougher to swallow. As a player, um, and I think the circumstances, you know, it, they vary. But in a game like that, where you did get down so big and did look to be completely out of it, now and, and just to be completely outclassed, to come back and to, to you know to to create opportunities to win, I think can serve as a level of encouragement for those players. I mean, they took one of the top seven teams in the country to the wire after after spotting them two different seventeen point leads, and so I think there's a lot of positives that can be taken from that game. Yes, it's heartbreaking. Yes, I'm sure we all woke up on Sunday just depressed as all get out. But that was a that was an incredible effort from from a football team that looked down and out for most of the first half. Would have been easy to roll over and quit when it got to 27 to seven. And just like the mindset that I had as a fan, you know, you know, we just don't have it today. And uh, we'll we'll rebound and bounce back over the last three. But that team fought, and uh, it started with that drive where Philip Brooks goes down, makes a heck of a play. 
you know, one-on-one in space and uh, fights his way to the end zone, gets it to 27-14. It was crazy, Curry, because it was a a three-minute stretch, a flurry, where K-State scored 20 points and had the game tied up. But, you know, I don't want to bury the lead here. Let's start right at the most critical part that I think everybody has probably replayed in their minds numerous times. K-State gets the ball to the six-yard line. When Ben Sennett catches that ball to get him to the six, are you thinking K-State's winning that game at that point? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, candidly, when when we got when we when we forced them basic, you know, three and out, kick a field goal right off the bat, I thought we're winning this football. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, to pick up 18 yards on first down and to give yourself four tries from from the seven yard line, I thought there is no doubt in my mind that we're going to win this football game. Um, so so really, you know, obviously as disappointing as it of an ending as I can remember as a K-State football fan, just clawing all the way back, you know, not disregarding, you know, the miss or the, the, the botched extra point and the missed field goal in the, in the fourth quarter and, and focusing solely on the opportunity to win on the road in overtime. Um, I, I, you know, first and goal at the seven yard line, I, I can't remember a tougher, tougher loss to swallow, uh, but absolutely when they got, when Ben Sinnott got down to the seven yard line, I thought we're winning this football game. The one of the only few Korea I could think of you played on this team and it was one heck of a game was the game in Stillwater in 2011 between you guys and OSU. And granted that was just to try and tie the game, but you guys are what at the five yard line with one shot there, uh, to try yeah. and tie it. It was, a, it was a heck of an ending. It was a heck of a football game. Um, down there in Stillwater, but yeah, there aren't many games that, that end in that fashion. And unfortunately, K State's been on the losing end of a couple real heartbreakers this year. You got a 61 yard field goal, and then that against Texas, against two good teams, and what Missouri has turned out to be in Texas. So, what did you make of the play calls down inside the the seven yard line? Those those first three plays, Curry, I think we're probably in agreement. All of them could have been touchdowns, and um, maybe what? How would you assess? what what K-State called there and what you saw and and if K-State should have been able to score on on one of those first three plays there. Yeah, I mean I think first and foremost I, it, it's it's easy to second guess the play calling in that, you know, in that four that four call stretch because we didn't score. Um but yeah, as you said, there were, you know, three of three out of the three out of four of those plays had a great opportunity to score. And so you really can't question the play calling. Sure, I think, you know, despite the struggles with the running game, um, you know, 40 yards rushing for the entirety of the game, I, I still would have liked to have seen, if, if you're going to take four cracks at it, you know, give DJ Giddens the ball. Um, you know, let DJ or Trayshawn take a stab at it. But but with all that being said, I mean, you and I talked about this on first down. There There is a gaping hole on the right side of the offensive line there that if, if if will you know and will just was trying to push forward and get yards ahead but if if he sees that lane to the right he he could could have back he could have moonwalked into the end zone and and you know and had himself a heck of a celebration and then the second down play i mean you know gutsy call in that situation but you know that that's a touchdown if the defensive lineman doesn't get his hands on the ball and then and then third down you know, I think Will threw it a little high and a little hot, but but in my view, that's a play that a, that that a top flight power five division one receiver has to make. Um, and so I think, yeah, you had you had three plays in a row there where you had more than good opportunities to score and win the football game. And then fourth down, you know, obviously that was an unfor- unfortunate set of events. Um, not 
the play that not not how you want to see your last chance in winning a football game unfold. Very unfortunate, but but we had good opportunities to score and win the game, and I don't think that can be discounted. I want to dive in a little bit more on those second and third down plays, but before we do that, Curry, I wanted to remind our listeners about our friends at Homefield Apparel. Uh, once again, homefieldapparel.com has you fully stocked with any K-State item you could want, vintage, retro gear, super soft, super comfortable. I've got three Homefield hoodies that uh, are seriously the most comfortable hoodies that I've ever had. The Sailor Willie hoodie, you've probably seen me wear numerous times on the podcast over the last few weeks. I ordered that, it came in, and the reason I wear it is because it's seriously the softest, most comfortable hoodie that I've ever owned in my lifetime, and I'm not just saying that. So go check out homefieldapparel.com for all of the sweet retro vintage K-State gear. They got 40 items plus over there on their website at homefieldapparel.com, and you can score 15% off with the discount code 3 mall 23 on your first time order. So go check them out. Again, 3 mall 23 get 15% off. And we'll be back from break and continue talking about Kansas State's game against Texas and the outcome of what happened at the end of that game when we come back. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So Curry, let's let's start with because I think we all agree. Like if Will sees that lane and bounces to the right, he probably scores, or he gets down to the one or two, which which changes the play call, right? Because you have the ability then to run with three downs. Uh, but I'm with you. Like if you know going into that that you're going to go for it on fourth down, uh, my my criticism of coaches all the time is like if you knew you were going to go for it on fourth down, you should have ran the ball one of the plays before. And I know they ran it on first down. 
I definitely would have liked to have seen one more run. But that being said, all the, a lot of those plays could have worked. So that second down play, it's a pop pass designed to DJ Giddens. I like the play design because you rarely see it ran to the running back there, right out of the backfield. You usually see it to the tight end. And it would have been open, but unfortunately couldn't hold the block quite long enough. I think everybody saw that Ben Sennett was also wide open, Curry. So I wanted to ask you, as an offensive player, is that a one-read type play in your mind, or should Will Howard be able to see the whole field and just see his tight end completely wide open with only one Texas defender over there to defend to? Yeah, in in most every case, you know, in a, with a play call like that, under those circumstances, it's a one-read play call. I was honestly surprised, and it may have been just a, in you know, Ben running even running a route may have just been to try to pull attention from this from part of the defense. Um, but but yes, in most cases, I mean, if you think about it, you know, you're you're the field is condensed. It's 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 second down and basically seven, second down and six, um, second down and goal to go, and your and your quarterback is running directly toward the line of scrimmage. You know, he his his peripherals aren't great at that point. And so of course it, it's a one read deal. He's trying to he's trying to emulate run. He's trying to show the defense, hey, I'm gonna run this football up the middle and then dink that pass over the top. Um so yeah, I, I think it's it's easy to look at, you know, the all twenty two and say Ben Sennett was wide open, but I would be shocked if Ben Sennett was even uh, even a read on that play. I think that play was absolutely DJ Giddens all the way. And I wanted to ask you that because it looked like Ben Sennett was looking for the football on the route. So then I was like, well, so could that have gone to him? Because he actually, if if, if there wasn't an option for him there, he at least really sold it pretty yeah. well. And so, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and uh, the third down play, Keegan Johnson, you mentioned it. it. It looks like that was, they ran kind of mesh crossing routes, right? Probably anticipating man there, but... It, cr- you know that that's a play call you run inside. You know that's that's a play call you run when you're in a goal to go situation because okay. it works against it works against either coverage. It works against man or zone, um, and, and and so they stuck with the play call. And and Keegan did a good job of finding the soft spot in the zone. Um, unfortunately, those two guys just couldn't connect. And you know it was a short pass. I mean Keegan Keegan got himself right on the white line, right right on the white stripe of the goal line. And I think if Will just if Will either throws it as hot as he did right at Keegan's chest or takes a little bit off, I think that's a touchdown and that's a ball game. Yeah, I agree. And I thought it was I thought maybe Curry it was just a little late. Like I think Keegan popped open a little bit earlier where it could have been an easier catch and throw. Um, look, it's easy for me to criticize again. It, it uh, the play would have worked potentially. It's a tough play, but uh, it's unfortunate they weren't able to come up with it there. And then. Obviously, jumping to the fourth down play, what did you make of the decision to go for it and the play design? Uh, I guess uh, two different two different ideas there. Uh, I was actually in the moment I wasn't is is against going for it. Okay. Um, uh, you know, obviously, I think there's I think fair arguments can be made on either side. I mean, there's the perfectly legitimate argument that that Texas's offense was really struggling. Malik Murphy had lost all of the juice he had going in the first half. Our defense was really playing well. And so I think the idea is, okay, you take, you take, you take the tie, you, you put your, you take your chances of putting your defense back on the field and, and winning the ball game with your defense. Um, that assumes a lot of things. I mean, that assumes for one that, that we make the field goal. 
I mean, obviously we'd already missed a shorty in that game and, and then you're going to trot Chris Tennant back out there for, you know, what would have been a 24, 25 yard field goal. And we know that in his career, he's, those are the field goals he has issues with. And so I think in a vacuum, I think you'd rather lose going forward on fourth, going for the win than miss, you know, than miss a tie attempt at a, at a short field goal. And that was, it to me, that's a distinct possibility. And then that assumes that your offense goes down and either kicks a field goal or scores a touchdown in the second overtime. Um, and, and then your defense holds again, either holds to a field goal or holds to zero points. And so I, I, I think it's, it's a perfectly legitimate argument to say we should have put, we should have put faith in our defense but in the but in that setting, I wasn't against the call. We we had expended a ton of energy coming back in that game. I mean, you think about the first five or six drives. We have one or two first downs. We have next to zero yardage, net yardage through through most of the first half. We expended a ton of energy. I mean, guys looked tired at the end of that game. Will Howard looked like he was gassed at the end of that game. And so I think with all that, all that in mind, I think you, I, I, I wasn't opposed to taking the chance at winning a football game, walking off that game, and leaving Austin with a win um, on fourth down. Now, with all that being said, I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't thrilled with the with the fourth down call. You know, from the jump, things looked scrambled, and and we just never gave ourselves a chance. And so, again, I think I, I can see si- arguments on both sides. I didn't hate the call at first. I just hated the way that it that it was executed or the way that it ended. So what was the call, Curry, in your mind? Because I, I got to tell you, I was a little confused why Ben said I was running a route to the two and a half or three yard line there. And he looked like he might have been the primary read or maybe it was Keegan Johnson in the corner. But I, I, Will was looking that way. And I, I just I don't like throwing three yards short of the end zone there. So yeah. I, I don't know what the call was either. I mean, I, I thought I mean, Keegan was was blanketed. Yeah. You know, unless you force a throw, hope for pass interference, or hope for a miracle. Keegan to me was was blanketed from from the jump. So I thought, man, is this another, you know, instance of like what we saw at Missouri where Ben Sennett is the primary and he's two and a half yards short of the of the line to gain. Um I I I really not sure what the play call was there. I mean, I think goal to go situations are really, really hard, especially against a defense like Texas's where they're big and fast. Um, I, I just with, with, you know, again, I think we go back to this idea that if you, if you know, you're, if you know, you're taking four chances at it, I think, Hey, you try to run the football downhill with, with one of your running backs. And that's no disrespect to Will Howard. He's shown us he's a capable runner of the football, but I take my chances with DJ Giddens back there. Um, I, I, I think, you know, with, with the with the game on the line like that, you got to have. I mean, every coach has four, five, six your your best two point conversion slash goal to go play calls. You got to have those in your playbook, and you got to think, okay, when we need them, these these are touchdown plays. And I don't feel like we really went into the bag on any of those. And, and you know, a lot of times you see teams run trickery down in, in inside the you know ten yard line because it's because you have to find ways to create space inside that that goal to go area um and so i think there were there there the, the the set of play calls left me wanting a lot despite the fact that again we had chances to score on first second and third down. yeah i can say curry maybe a play that i would have liked to have seen at some point in there is roll will howard out and have the tight end throw backside you know or something like roll him out 
And how many times have you seen this be a successful play that teams run where they, like, let's say the tight end on one side, he acts like he's chop blocking, right? Or he goes down to his knees, gets up, throws, they roll him out one way and they throw back across the field into the end. So it feels like that's open all the time. I mean, you guys ran that against, uh, I think Arkansas in the Cardinals. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was a staple. That was a staple in the Coach Schneider or Dana, Dana Demel playbook. Um, and you're right. I mean, with, with, with as much as we run 12 personnel and, and that 12 personnel having one tight end who's, who's very much a focal point of the passing you and another one, whether it's Will Swanson or Garrett Oakley, who just isn't, I think that would have caught the defense by surprise. And while I'm not a fan of necessarily, especially in goal-to-go situations, rolling the pocket and, and even further condensing the field, I think if you if you have if you've taken four stabs at it, I don't think it hurts to roll to roll the pocket to see if you can get a guy in the flat via rub play or something else, and then leap that tight end to the backside and see what happens. I mean, there's there's a lot of creativity that can be had or that can be you know that can be done inside the goal inside the red zone, um, and and I, I and I I kind of wish we would have would have. I just I say it because, like you said, it was a staple in the Bill Snyder offense, and especially, you know, he did it in the 2.0 era too. But in the 1.0, I mean, I remember I was at an 0-2 Texas game in Manhattan, and they did it to Thomas Hill, where they rolled L. Roberson out, they threw it back across, and Thomas Hill runs it in from 20 out. Uh, heck, they technically did it against TCU in garbage time. Will Swanson had the the touchdown where they kind of rolled Will out and then threw it back when the game was over, and you know they get the touchdown there too. Uh, that look, that's just me throwing out an idea there that uh, I was curious for your thoughts on. Any thought on look, Will Howard had played so terrific down the stretch, so I, I can totally see why they wouldn't have done it. But any thought to putting Avery Johnson in down there inside this? He would have been cold, right? He hadn't played since the first half. But I got to tell you, in my mind, Curry, I think like if Texas sees Avery Johnson take the field, they're they're selling out for the run, thinking, oh, they're de- they're at the six yard line, they're going to run this kid and. I'm thinking a pop pass there is going to be wide open too. But again, who knows? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think you know I've seen the argument made that hey, if we're going to run the ball on first and goal from the seven with a quarterback, why not? Why not put in Avery? And I think your your point about bringing him in and selling run and throwing, you know, throwing a a pop pass or something else, I think is a good idea. But I, you know, I, I think that you know Avery would have been cold. Will Howard, you know for the most part, put the team on his back in the latter part of that ball game. And so I do think it would have been a discredit to Will in, in, in what he did in the latter part of the game to take him out in that, in that instance. Um, and so I don't, I, I, I never, never crossed my mind during the, you know, during the moment that, Hey, we, we should really look at Avery here. You know, I thought that the way Will was playing in the second half, I thought Will's going to win this football game. And so again, I think, as I said, in the sort of the outset, I think it's, it's, it's easy to critique the outcome, but if you go back and look at the first three of those four individual plays, it's hard to critique them individually because you had really good opportunities to score and win that football game. And so, um, yeah. you know, I can I can tell you all, I tell I'm blue in the face that I would have liked to see certain things, but in the end, we had good opportunities. Well, to look, Curry, the reason we've spent so much time you know, the majority of this podcast talking about those four plays is because in my mind, while I was so incredibly frustrated at various points in that game with things that I could have complained about night and day, 
until I'm blue in the face. The bottom line is they had four chances from six, six and a half yards out with a chance to win the game in overtime. So I kind of in my mind have thrown all that other stuff out of the way because they made it back to that point. And you, you got to be able to get six or seven yards there to win the game with four plays. And so like a lot of my complaints, I know like, okay, you could argue they might not have been in that situation if they would have played better earlier. Maybe there's more game pressure on Malik Murphy in Texas earlier in the game if uh, K-State's more successful offensively. But I wanted to really harp on those four plays because that was such a pivotal moment, obviously, in the game. And I think what's on everyone's mind. But let, let's hit on a couple more topics here and then we'll wrap. I mean, you talked about it, Will Howard. I mean, that's felt like the best game that he's played, and really it all happened in the second half. It felt like really the, maybe the last drive, last drive and a half of the first half, and then the end of the second half. I mean, I thought he was dynamite throwing the football, and it looked like the Will Howard of last year. And I mean, look, Will finishes with 327 yards passing. It could have been like 370, but Keegan Johnson, you know, drops that pass that who knows where the game goes then. If, the, you know, he catches that, you're talking about potentially 17-14, early on in the second quarter if that ball's caught in case they goes down and scores I, I what did you make of will's performance on Saturday and what you saw yeah I mean will was will was great I mean that was that was you know what if one of his best performances in a k-state uniform I mean he did in, in the second half of that football game look like the best player on the field um and and, and really rallied the troops and really got a, got a lot of different receivers involved in ways that maybe we're not accustomed to and so was just incredibly impressed with, with, with will i think it you know it, it took us in my view it took us way too long to figure out what was and what wasn't working it felt like we 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 committed to the run game for much longer than we should and and instead of trying to see what Will Will and the receivers could do through the air, and by the time we got there, we found out okay, this is how we're going to move the football on this Texas team. And so, just really, really impressed with Will. Um, you know, he he didn't he really didn't make any poor decisions. Sure, he threw an interception, but I think everyone can agree that that's not an inter- interception that falls on Will's shoulders. Um, so to throw for over three hundred yard yards against a really good Texas defense, four touchdowns. Should have been zero interceptions. Just a really outstanding performance by Will in a tough situation with our backs against the wall. Uh, so hats off to him. I mean, the way he has, the way that he has bounced back from basically getting benched against Texas Tech to having you know three really really strong games in a row has been incredibly impressive. I think a lot of kids under under similar circumstances would have packed their bags and, and, and called it a day. And so I think, you know, we, Will deserves a ton of credit. Um, he, he's, he's, he's over the last three games become the guy that we all hoped he would be going into the season. I, I have to ask you, Curry, I want to ask you about the wide receivers too and what we saw Saturday. But real quick, I do have to ask you, because you were part of obviously the Daniel Sams, Jake Waters, QBC, and you, you've talked about it numerous times before it how difficult that was in the locker room and just, you know, getting into a rhythm and game flow week in and week out. Ben Sennett comes out after the game and defends Will Howard adamantly and look, they're best friends, they're teammates. Like you can argue that's Ben Sennett being a great teammate sticking up for his guy. But what did you make of that? Because I, I got to tell you, my, my concern is you've got one of your better players out there basically publicly advocating for one quarterback and it kind of puts your freshman quarterback and Avery Johnson in an uncomfortable spot to me. 
but I don't know, like, because you got him publicly siding with one quarterback over the other. I, I, I don't know. Like, what, what do you make of that if you're in the locker room, you know, and you hear something like that? Or, you know, just even as you being external now, not in that locker room, what you make of it? Yeah, I mean, I see it both ways. I mean, I love the fact that he's standing up for his guy and, and that he's, you know, that he's kind of, I don't know that shaming is the right word, but he's, you know, making it clear that in his view, some of the negative, you know, some of the negative feedback or the negative buzz that, that surrounds Will Howard is is inappropriate, unfair, all of the above. You know, Will's been a really good quarterback for K-State for several years now. And, 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 you know, so I, I like, I like the, the, I like the sentiment. Let me say that. I like the sentiment for, from Ben Sennett. Um, and, and yes, I, I think that, at the same time, I think it's it's, uh, it, and I and I had my I've had my own on Twitter and other things my own share of, of getting into spats with with some of the more outspoken fans and and I think over time I've learned and and, and it certainly didn't wasn't didn't hadn't learned this at Ben's age but I think over time I learned that that it's it's not often fair or wise to take a shot at the fan base. Um, because, you know, these are people who spend a ton of time and a ton of money, you know, a ton of energy pouring that all into their support of the Kansas State football program. And so I, I think it's totally fair for people to be able to voice their their concerns, voice their opinions, voice their frustrations. And I don't know that, that you know, that, that calling out any faction of the fan base really accomplishes anything because I think it, if, if nothing else, it emboldens those people who are being called out. Um, as to the way that it, that it may or may not affect the locker room again, I think it cuts both ways. I think the, the message wasn't necessarily, I'm throwing my hat in the ring here. I think he, you know, this is definitely our guy. Avery can wait till next year. I think it was more of Will Howard is a warrior. Will Howard is a really good football player. We need to get behind this guy um, as opposed to taking sides with Will or Avery. But at the same time, I think that people who maybe are, are proponents of Avery probably looked at it that way. It'd be hard not to. Um, and having gone through that, it's just such a touchy subject. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to keep a locker room unified when you have a split at the most important position on the team. And it's, it's hard to carefully, you know, carefully walk the boundary of of you know sending the message of we support either guy no matter who's in the game we're going to put forth our best effort and we think we can win um it's it's not easy it's 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 not easy at all oh no i completely agree with that and look i echo everything you said curry i do want to you know we and i know you agree with this like there are some fans that completely cross the line um you know with social media so don't be that fan Dude, I'll be in there sending DMs to guys. Like we we know that that does happen. I mean, I've gotten DMs about my six year old from opposing fan bases on something I've tweeted out before, like just mocking and berating him. Like there are some awful people out there. Do not be that guy. Do not be going after these K State players. Um, you know, in any way like that. I think it's certainly fair to question and to critical or to be critical of what's going on, but don't take it too far. And I think a lot of you that we're talking to that listen to this pod already know that and, and probably aren't the ones engaging in that. But yeah, it's a touchy subject for sure. Hey, I, I, I got to ask you because we talked about the wide receiver position for much of this year on this pod being a bit of a concern. And it felt like that was the maybe they found something. Now, we thought they found something already with Jace Brown 
maybe in that uh, TCU game, Curry. But he has another big game, makes some huge plays. Keegan Johnson doubles his receiving yard in the game. Like I know we talked about, you know, he had a critical drop that led to an interception and, and potentially should have caught that third down ball in the red zone in overtime. But he did show some flashes. It was his best game by far. And uh, and then Phillip Brooks has been outstanding since that Oklahoma State game when we were a little bit critical of, you know, a couple things in that game. He's really stepped up. So it, I didn't see a lot of – I don't even know if Jaden Jackson was on the field in this game much. It felt like they kind of went with Jace Brown, Keegan Johnson, and uh, and Phillip Brooks for the most part of this game. Do you think maybe they found something here where they've got some explosiveness now at receiver? Yeah, certainly. I mean, I was I was super impressed. Um, continue to be more and more impressed with Jace Brown and what he brings to the table. Again, I think his speed is something that, that that just changes things for our offense. I mean, the separation that he got on that touchdown is just not something that we've seen a lot of this year. Um, and, and then Philip Brooks. I mean, you know, his his touchdown up the sideline there was one of the more impressive individual efforts that I've seen in a really long time. Um, and he continues to step up at that position and be a guy that we can really count on. And then I, I was I was incredibly surprised to see Keegan's output um, after not playing last week against Houston and and you know having very little output over the last several weeks. I I wasn't sure that we'd see him suited up. I was I didn't know if he would make the trip. I certainly didn't expect him to be you know very actively involved in the offense. And so very surprised and pleasantly surprised with his output. I mean, seven catches, 70 yards. That's that's the Keegan Johnson that we all hope for coming into the year. And sure, the one big drop with the inter- that led to the interception, but I, I think everybody has to be encouraged by what we saw from Keegan last Saturday. And and I you know, I think we we've we've worried all year long about the maybe how how top heavy we've been from game to game you know one game it's just Ben Senate who gets all the love the next game it's Phil Brooks next game it's it's you know it's Keegan Jackson or uh, Jaden Jackson but but to have four guys between 69 and 77 yards of receiving those four guys having between four and seven catches those four guys collectively having four touchdowns I mean that is a that is an incredibly strong output by by a, a group of receivers that I think is something we can build off down the stretch of this football season. If we get similar outputs each week from those four guys and some of their teammates, you have to feel really, really good about the things this offense can do with three winnable games left on the schedule. Definitely. Definitely. Were you surprised that K-State rushes for 33 yards, 1.1 yards per carry, and uh, that's actually the fewest since the Alabama Bowl in 2014, Curry, for a K-State team, a span of 110 games. We knew Texas. We talked about it. They had the best run defense in the Big 12 in both yards per carry allowed and rushing yards per game. But was this just them having dudes up front, Devondre Sweat and Byron Murphy and those guys being a load? Or you, you still would expect this K-State offense because they're a top 15 rushing attack in America to be able to run the ball a little more successfully. Did you see anything that they were doing that limited K-State's running game? Or was it just them whipping K-State up front with, with some talent? Yeah, I think we just had, you know, we had some some spots where we had fits with with their guys up front, um, and and we and and we just struggled we just struggled to get on and stay on blocks and 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 create you know positive yardage situations and and so I was surprised by that. I mean, I I think despite despite the strength of of Texas in their front seven, I think there's there's no reason why K State should ever rush for 33 yards in a game with the offensive line that we have and. With with the, with the pair of running backs that we have, 
uh, you know, I, I think Texas was loading the box and was was daring us to, you know, daring us to beat them in the air. And 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 like I said, unfortunately, I think it took us too long to realize that and too long to realize that, hey, I think we can attack these guys through the air. Um, but again, that's that's hindsight being 2020. But I mean, if you look at the first five or six series, I mean, it's five plays, eight yards punt. It's six plays, 10 yards punt, three plays, negative two yards punt. Three plays, eight yards punt. Three three plays, negative two yards punt. Three plays, negative one yard punt. And and a lot of that was it's it's hand the ball off first down, hand the ball off second down, third and long situation. And 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 you know that that's that's a situation that no no offense wants to be against a good good Texas defense. And so I think once we once we blocked that punt and a little bit of the momentum shifted, then we started to, you know then we started adjusting our game plan. But I think it. it I guess it wasn't too late because we did come back and take it to overtime. But in my mind, we win that football game if we adjust quick. Yeah, yeah. And I, I got the cumulative numbers, Curry. Actually, it was the first six drives, 23 plays, 21 yards of offense. So under one yard per play. First 11 drives, seven points. And 139 plays, I think 111 yards of offense, 2.8 yards per play on those first 11 drives. Curry, 11 drives is usually a game's worth for K-State. And they had seven points. They were just fortunate. The defense kept getting them the ball back. Look, uh, one more question because this, uh, you know, we've gone a long time already. And I know you're on a work trip in Nebraska, actually. So uh, to wrap this thing up, I feel really bad because we hadn't even talked about the K-State defense, which, you know, holds Texas to 33 points on 16 drives, which is really well done. And really it's 26 points because a fumble inside the five-yard line set Texas up for an easy touchdown. Uh, when the K-State offense fumbled it there. So the defense over the last 12 drives of that game gave up. You could argue they didn't give up a touchdown, really. I mean, look, they gave up a five-yard run after that fumble. But otherwise, they held Texas to nine points on 12 drives after those first four drives when Texas was on fire. Just that performance by the defense, what did you make of it? Again, I think my my takeaway is that, that Joe Klanerman continues to be an incredible in-game adjustment guy. I mean, the, the, you know, we had, I thought that, you know, based on the way that that first, a lot of that first half transpired where our offense could not stay on the field and our defense could not get off the field. And I thought there is no way our defense is going to hold up over the course of this football game because they are going to be dog tired. And, and, you know, obviously we, we gave up some big plays in the first half and, and they really moved the ball on us, but I thought we made adjustments and then, and then we really settled in and, and started to give Malik Murphy and that offense fits. You know, I think we 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 put all of our eggs in the basket of stopping Jonathan Brooks and daring Malik Murphy to beat us, and we put our secondary guys on an island. And and I, you know, they two of the best two of the best receivers in the country, probably the one of the best two or three receiver duos in the country, with a great third option and a really really good tight end. That's an unenviable task. And I thought at first. We had some struggles there, but I thought those guys really ended up stepping up and, and and making some really key plays. And so just very impressed with that defense. Um, they have they have given us a chance to win every single football game this year. We have not lost any games because of our defense. And I think that's something that they can really hang their hats on is they've they've kept us in every single football. Absolutely. I mean, when you look at the points per drive and and look at the efficiency numbers of this K-State defense, they've had them right there. I mean, you look at the Oklahoma State game, you lose 29-21. I mean, essentially 10 points were because of the offense, a pick six, 
and then a another uh, turnover on downs that set Oklahoma State up inside the K State twenty five for an easy field goal in that game. You know they've been they, they've withstood some hard swings in games with some turnovers by this K State offense and still kept K State right in the game as you said at every opportunity. So they've been outstanding for this K-State football team really encouraged what we continue to see from that defense and I think an important thing for fans to keep in mind Curry is there almost all of these guys have eligibility remaining almost all of them could come back next year if they so choose if they're inclined to do so um, there is some youth too that's out there playing and Jake Clifton and Austin Romaine and some of these guys there's a lot of reasons to be excited for the future of this K-State defense so Curry, hey, really appreciate it, man, uh, for you jumping on, as always, with us. Uh, folks, remember to go to catsnil.com, support K-State student-athletes, sign up for the membership tier program, or at least check it out. Give it a chance if you haven't done so already. And then, of course, the women's basketball fashion show that's coming up and the K-State football event that uh, Curry mentioned earlier. And then be sure to go to Kingdom Bar and Grill in Overland Park for the K-State KU Watch Party. Uh, we're about 12 days away from one of the most anticipated Sunflower Showdowns in a long, long time. So check that out. We'll get the game time here in the next several days. And uh, can't wait to uh, to see you all in Manhattan for the uh, the Baylor game as the Cats look to bounce back as 20-point favorites against the Bears and get back on the winning track because there's still a lot to be accomplished this year at a 9-3 and three season to potentially a win over a top 15 KU team is nothing to look down upon. So Curry, appreciate it. Thank you so much, as always. And thank you to all of you for listening to another edition of Three Mall Bonus. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.